Well, today we'll be in 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 14. Um, and uh, it's in the same section that has to do with fellowship and with um, the various members of the family of God, fellowship that is made possible by the blood of Christ as Jesus Christ is our propitiation. And we recognize that we have a walk with the Lord and that um, according to this last chapter, we've noted that fellowship is, is continued and sustained as we um, recognize the advocacy of Christ and how that Christ uh, is with us that we may live in a way that is uh, not only beneficial to the family of God, but brings glory unto the Lord. And so we'll begin reading by uh, looking at verse uh, 9. And uh, see, he that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and uh, there is no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not where he goeth, because darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we give thanks to you this day and ask for your blessing upon your word, and that... God the Holy Spirit may minister it to our hearts and comfort us and give us hope and teach us those things which are written herein that we may be a part of edifying in the church and truly be a blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I've entitled the message uh, this afternoon, The Church is to be Light and Love. And uh, as this uh, brief section here also mentions um, not only the light, but it mentions the love of God, um, we know that there are some very important things that we can say concerning the light and the love of God as it relates to believers. And three areas that I'd like to uh, speak to this afternoon. First of all, we stumble not in the light, or those who walk in the light and love will not stumble. And we'll, we'll talk about what that means, to, to walk in the light and the love of God, and realize that God keeps us um, uh, in a way, of walking in a way that we may truly um, not bring some terrible uh, offense uh, to the cross, or to others, because both of those things, of course, are important. Uh, secondly, love covers a multitude of sins, this we know from First Peter, and also in James it, it talks about this. But since love uh, is also mentioned here in the light of God's word, then we realize that um, uh, love does truly cover a multitude of sins. In fact, we know from the previous uh, part of this chapter that uh, Jesus Christ himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but for the sins of the whole world and whereby did that propitiation take place but God sent his only beloved son into the world his only begotten son and because of the love of God and the love that Jesus Christ truly showed toward us we find that that propitiation is made possible. Um, If it were not for the love of God, uh, we would be left in our sin. We would be left to ourselves. And uh, so we find that it is important to realize that God's love, 
God's love covers a multitude of sins, and God is able to use us um, as well to uh, effect that love unto others. Thirdly, here, light and love blesses the whole family of God. And uh, he goes through uh, a number of different um, designations for that here. He mentions fathers, he mentions young men, he mentions little children. And, of course, he begins with children. And as we speak to each one of them, there is uh, various characteristics of them which are important for us. And the blessing of God is upon each of these within the family of God. And we find that it is... um, important to the church that we mention each of these and realize the significant role that God uses for each of them to play in the church. Uh, First of all, the continuing state of the person in darkness. In verse 9, we find that continuing state. Uh, Last week, we we talked about verses 3 through 8, And now in verse 9, he that saith, he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. Well, we know hate is uh, one of those emotional um, elements within people that if, uh, if it truly manifests itself, if hate manifests itself, well, it creates a a great deal of, of wrong. Um, In the world, when people hate, uh, they destroy countries, as is taking place in the Ukraine right now. Um, Putin can say what he wants to, but any time there is a war and people people are killing one another indiscriminately, there is hate going on in in a very big way. Um, Of course, the Arabs um, have hated the Jewish people for millennia, right? Uh, and they continue to do so. You know, the, the Muslim people, you can kind of broad, bring them all together under one, one particular name. The tribes of Ishmael uh, are against the tribes of Jacob and in the Middle East. And, of course, they have hated one another for a very long time. Um, and, of course, hate manifests itself... Um, in murder, in murder. And Jesus even said that to hate is likened to murder. Now, we might think of those things as rather uh, extreme, but we know the extreme does take place. In fact, it started very early in the book of Genesis, and Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. He hated him. Because we find that Abel's offering was accepted of God and Cain's offering was not. And so what did he do? He, he, uh, he lashed out against his brother and killed his brother. Of course, throughout the Old Testament, there was much killing going on. And um, we uh, realize that... Uh, This takes place uh, quite regularly, that people hate and people kill. But what does it mean when someone says they are a believer and yet they hate somebody? Well, see, it's it's contradictory, isn't it? It's it's against the, the very word and the very light of the word of God. As we know, Jesus is the light of the world, and he is that one who came to bring light into the world. Um, he came unto his own, but his own received him not. Um, he, sh- he was light unto his own people, but yet we find that in the end they hated him and they, they plotted to kill him. Even one so close within, the, uh, within their small group, their small group of 12 rose up to be the betrayer and uh, ultimately uh, brought Jesus death upon him. And so hatred is like that. The continuing state of a person in darkness, he says, he that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother. See, the, you can't, the, the, the scripture says it cannot be. 
You cannot have light and darkness together because they are contrary to one another, especially when light it is, when this particular light here is talking about the light of the word of God. He then saith that he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Even until now. So either one is of God and loves or they are in darkness and hate. So, he, so either, either one is, believes in God and, and follows the Lord Jesus Christ or one is in darkness and they hate. There is just no in-between. There is no in-between. Um, and um, darkness and sin blind the sight. Darkness and sin blind the sight. Love and light reveal the truth, that is, to see by faith. And so these contrasts are used by John in relationship to fellowship, in relationship to one's relationship to God, in relation to one professing, truly professing Christ. And if a person professes to know Christ, professes to be in the light, and yet hates, then we must draw into question whether or not they are in light or in darkness. And uh, so darkness blinds, is a blindness in scripture and often represents rejecting God's truth. And so those who walk in the light and love will not stumble. And so the idea of stumbling is to bring an offense upon someone or to, to even to hate them or to in some ways make scandalous well, Actually, the word stumble means, is, is the word scandalon. It is that word. <laughs> and means to make a scandal or an offense. Um, and uh, so we find that uh, darkness blinds, is a blindness in Scripture, and often represents the rejecting of God's truth. In John 3.19, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You see, those who love to do evil deeds are those who walk in the darkness. They do not walk in the light. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if you sometimes watch advertisements on television and, and um, every once in a while I catch certain things on advertisements and I just saw one the other day that said Jesus welcomed everybody to the table now th this is a, a worldly ad Jesus welcomed everybody to the table well of course there's no way that the world is going to say something like that unless they have some motive to do so. And right now the big push, of course, is that everybody should be accepted just the way they are. Now, I haven't uh, seen the, the ad only twice, and I'm still kind of analyzing it and trying to figure out just what the point is why they're saying this. But I, I have my suspicions. I think it has to do with the sense of a universal religion. I think it has to do with the this, this sense of, of um, gay rights and they, the sense that um, you know, people want to be accepted upon their own um, morality, their own lifestyle, um, but you'll, you'll just watch the, your ads and, and it will pop up sooner or later and you'll see it. And the first time I saw it, I said, what? They said, Jesus? Jesus? What? What did they say about Jesus? Oh, just watch and see what you think of it. John 3.20, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. 
you know, what do we think of society today? The things that they are doing. And sometimes it doesn't have to be they're out and, they're out, and out doing something evil. They're just out and out doing something that they want to do, which is against the word of God. And they don't, they don't talk about it as being evil. But in a society of relativism, when everybody does that which is right in their own eyes, what does it amount to? If it does not agree with God's word, then it is evil. It is against God. Either one is for God or, or one is against God. And we find much of that going on in society. John 3.21, But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Now, there's a quite a bit of being said in that verse in John 3.19, but it says, He that doeth truth cometh to the light. Now, where do we get our truth but from the Word of God? You see, that's where we get our truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. And so we, we know that truth is of God. And so if we, if we come to the truth, we're coming to God and his, and his revelation, His Word. And if we come to the Word of God, we come to the light, the light of God's Word. You see, and that, and that is where we have to be. Verse 9, he that saith he is in the light, he that says he is in the light and hate his brother is in darkness even till now. See, this person hasn't come to the, to the word of God because it is contradictory to say that you hate your brother. It's contradictory to say that and to say that you have come to the light. We can only come to the light through the truth of the Word of God. That's the only way we can come to the light. As much as John is writing here to professing believers, and he, he is, um, this warning should not escape our notice that even Christians can, under the influence of the natural nature, the old nature, Dare we say, hate his brother? Now, it's difficult, of course, for us to say that all the Old Testament characters, we we don't necessarily say, oh, they're Christians, because we know that uh, the one thing that brought them to God in the Old Testament, though Christ was being preached in the Old Testament, book of Isaiah, and etc., you know, there's many passages, but yet, Christ had not yet come. And so the fear of God was, pressed, was impressed upon them through the book of Proverbs and many of the writings, of course, of the prophets, the fear of God. And that is what brought them to the Lord, the fear of God. That is to, to seek God and to reverence him in this true sense of who he was. I mean, they couldn't even enter into the tabernacle unless they did it in a prescribed manner, brought the right sacrifice, and then even the priest couldn't go in the holiest of holies unless he did it exactly and when God said he could go. And of course, the pillar of fire and the the presence of God in fire itself. I mean... God was to be feared in the Old Testament, and some people don't understand the God of the Old Testament. Um, well, how can we say then that, that we should take this warning that he gives here, how can we say that we should take this warning that he gives here to heart? Well, because there is plenty of, plenty of examples, of course, um, I bet you would say, well, King David was a Christian. Uh, we, w- we would say that, wouldn't we? And yet, his, his, uh, his sin with Bathsheba brought about the murder of Bathsheba's husband. 
He even told, uh, I guess it was Joab, to put him in the forefront of the battle. Yeah. So, so that he would die. Because he didn't want his indiscretion to come to light. Well, see, here we have it again. Light and evil, they don't, co- they don't coexist together. They're, they're contrary to one another. And so there was an evil present in what David was doing. Uh, he took somebody else's wife, he, uh, and then he wanted to cover it up, and then he murdered, had uh, Uriah murdered, and, well, there's plenty of evil there. And, uh, and he was supposed to be living in the light, you see, the light of God's word, the light of God's revelation, the fear of God. But, of course... Uh, there was a serious flaw there. Um, he, he transgressed. He, he stumbled. He created an offense. And so we often find warnings in the scriptures given to believers, even though, we, even though the scripture turns about and says that um, he that walks in the light will not stumble, even though the word says that, at the same time we, we take that warning and realize that under certain circumstances, we would cause an offense to others. But see, the key to the whole thing is that we have to continue walking in the light, which is the Word of God. Those two together um, create a relationship with God where He keeps us under close tabs, you might say. And of course, um, if you read Psalm 119 and 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. And we, as children, we sang, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I will not sin against thee. Thy word in my, have I hid in my heart. And so, even in the Old Testament, the checks and balances were there for those who feared the Lord and wanted to be in the right relationship with God. And so light and, and uh, darkness are contradictory to one another when using them in terms concerning God and his will for our lives. And so those who walk in the light and love will not stumble. Will not, they will not stumble. So, in other words, we are, we are being encouraged to walk in the light. We're being encouraged to walk in the word of God. And in the same degree, we realize that to say that we are and to do anything else other than what is in harmony with the Word of God and the light of God would be against God, as David did and, of course, needed to repent. And um, it appears that Cain did not repent, but he was judged and sent off away from the blessing of God. And that, again, speaks to us that if, that, uh, if a person professes something and does not live up, live up to it, it can lead to severe consequences. Secondly, love covers a multitude of sins. Um, let's just read the next uh, verse here. Um, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, which we have already spoken about, and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. And so we are to abide, we are to remain in the light, which the word abide means to remain in, to continue in. So we are to to abide or continue in the light, and if we do that, there is no occasion of stumbling in him. And and so there is the, the true element of not stumbling, is to remain, to abide in the light of God's word in Jesus Christ. 
Um, in verse 11, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not where he goeth because darkness has blinded his eyes. And so here again, here is the, here is the true element of that person who, who hates his brother, who hates. Uh, he is in darkness. And being in darkness... He continues to walk in darkness, just as that one who is a believer is to abide in the light and remain so. This, this person abides in darkness and remains in darkness. They remain in darkness. And they knoweth not where he goeth. He doesn't know where he is going. And of course, that, that's very much in keeping with the whole idea of somebody being lost and outside of Christ. They, they, don't, they don't even know they're lost. They're lost, but they don't know they're lost. They think they're fine. And, um, and why do they think they're fine? Because darkness has blinded their eyes. You know, the darkness of this, of this world has blinded their, their eyes. That's why they think they're okay. And I'm sure you've met many people like that, that you've tried to bring the light to them. And they don't think they have any need of it. And so um, we find that uh, light and darkness are not compatible for the believer. If we are to walk in the light, we have to walk in the word of God, the truth of the word of God, and not in the darkness of sin. Secondly, we find here that um, love covers a multitude of sins. Well, as we speak to that matter, um, love also blesses, blesses um, the Christian. And uh, we find that that blessing is one that uh, is of God. Uh, look at um, verse 12 with me, if you would. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. Uh, we find that um, God's word indicates here that there is a relationship that we have to him, and he calls us children of God, being children. The word for children here is a word which, which simply means... Uh, to be a Christian convert. We're children of God. You might think of John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God or children of God. We become children of God as we enter into the family of God. And uh, as we enter into the family of God, we find that uh, love blesses our lives. Love covers the multitude of sins. Well, when you look at First Peter uh, in chapter 4 and verse 7, you find that there also this sense of the love of God is made known to us. Um, well, let's take the James passage first. James 5.19. James 5.19. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth... And one convert him, let him know that he who converts the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. To save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. And so we're talking about light and love, and this love of God, this love of God then covers a multitude of sins. For the whole family of God, of course, it covers a multitude of sins. And um, this, is a, this is a great blessing to us as, as believers. First uh, Peter 4, 7, this passage here, um, also mentions this, the same thing. Um, but beginning in a different context, he says, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober-minded and watch unto prayer, and above all things have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. 
Love shall cover the multitude of sins. And so love and light, love and light are compatible. Um, the light of God's word, that which we know is truth. The love of God, which not only was, came down to save us, the incarnation, Jesus Christ going to the cross, the very sense of, of God dying, God's Son dying for the sins of the world. But also this sense that we can love others. We can love others and we can, through that love, we can tell them of Christ and of, the, of eternal life and they can know that the love of God covers a multitude of sins. Have you ever met somebody perhaps that has said, I've sinned too much, the Lord will never save me. Well... We know that isn't true. But because God is able to save, his, his hand is not short, his, his arm is not short, but rather he extends his arm to save many. And uh, I think Ed Silly even uses that, a phrase similar to that in one of his songs um, when he preaches through music. Um, that God is not... Uh, God is not unwilling to save, but rather is very much willing, and his hand is not short, or arm is not short to save. And we find that the love, then, of God is like that. The love of God is like that. And so in verse 10 and 11, um, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and so that love of God that the brother has, uh, that light which he lives in, is a light which uh, means to reach out to his brother and to love his brother. And so the love of God uh, at work through us as well. Um, Looking at the, the last section here, love and light blesses the whole family of God. We find that he begins by mentioning children. In verse 12, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. Now as I said uh, here, uh, as he goes into this section, he begins by uh, addressing little children or children. And this particular word is general in the sense that it is those in the family of God. And so this first designation for the family of God, John uses, is children, meaning little children. It can mean little children in the sense of those who are in the family of God as a, in a fatherly sense or in a teacher sense. John is teaching. And so he isn't a father so much as he is a teacher to those that he is reaching out to. And so it can, it can be used in that sense. Um, have you ever seen a teacher stand in front of a classroom and say, now children, <laughs> take out your, your history books. <laughs> you know, the, there's a teacher addresses, often addresses the class like that, dresses everybody the same. They're all different age groups, perhaps, uh, and different uh, types of children, but yet the teacher addresses them like that. <laughs> and, you know, the children with, that are in the family of God are like that too. Uh, so John addresses them. And uh, he's a term of kind, kindly address, a kindly address, a fatherly address, or a, a, a general term as, a, as one might be taught the word of God. You know, we think of teaching the word of God. Uh, sometimes we call it teaching doctrine. It kind of, sounds kind of dusty and uh, academic. But most of the teaching we do is, is supposed to be very practical and edifying and uh, building up. And that's what uh, should come across. These things are to be practical. And so the expression embraces the whole family of God for we are the children of God. We are the children of God. First um, Corinthians twelve thirteen says this: For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, 
whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been, been made to drink into one spirit. Now see, that's the sense how we have become children of God. We have, we have become children of God because the spiritual or the spirit has worked in us to bring about that union as believers. Um, I mentioned that we should pray for the Ukrainian believers. But there's Russian believers. There's Muslim believers. There's Jewish believers. There's uh, Spanish believers, French believers. You, I mean, they're all over the world, aren't they? Wherever, wherever there are people in the world, there are those who are believers. And what are they but children of God? In the true biblical sense, they are children of God. You know, we might say, well, we're all uh, created by God. Well, in that one sense, yes, we are all created of God. But we don't become a child of God until it is by faith. Until it is by the Spirit of God. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Now, that is a different sense of becoming children of God. And of course, um, the next phrase here proves that we are the children of God. In verse 12, how does it prove it? I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Our sins, we, we are children of God because our sins have been forgiven us for his name's sake. Jesus. That's how we, you see that verse even come to, brings it to a conclusion saying, you are children of God because your sins are forgiven because of Jesus. And now in this chapter, what's it pointing back to? Probably it's pointing back to verse 1 and 2. Remember, he is the propitiation for our sins. But of course, to every passage it refers to the saving grace of God. And so we, we recognize that, that we truly are the children of God. By the Spirit, we are baptized into the family of God by the Spirit of God. Our sins have been forgiven us because of Jesus. For Jesus' sake. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus shed his blood. Jesus died for us. Jesus was resurrected for us. Jesus was um, ascended to the right hand of the Father for us. It is for Jesus' sake that our sins have been forgiven. It is for Jesus' sake. Notice also that the forgiveness of sins brings us so much closer to Jesus. You know, we've mentioned that the light of God's word and the love of God, but that none of that would be possible if it were not for Jesus. Secondly, secondly here, he says, I write unto you fathers. Now in, in verse 12, it's children, little children, or children who are part of the family of God. Who, what about fathers here in relationship to the family of God? Well, we find that this, this idea here is important as well. Here is the term of leadership in the family. And those who, have, those who are mature and bear the, the greater responsibility of the family. The father is the head of the home. Well, within the church... There are those who are leaders in the church. There are those who are more mature. There are those who bear the responsibility of the church for others. And a father is, is important. 
um, in the family sense, but in the church sense, it's important. Um, in fact, you know, history bears out that when we talk about Christendom, we talk about the church fathers. You see? You see? Right there. The church fathers. Uh, they were they which um, brought forth the canon of Scripture. They were the backbone of Christendom, the early church, you see, the church fathers, just as the apostles were there, and so forth. Uh, it's another term, which, uh, when, when it relates to the children of God, when it relates to the church, um, fathers are important. Uh, they're in leadership, they're mature, they're older, and they bear greater responsibility. Um, and so, verse 13, I write unto you, fathers, because ye have shown, known him, but that is from the beginning. And immediately, probably you think to John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word of God, and the word was God, and the word was with God. In the beginning, in other words, these who are fathers have been and continue to be those who bear the truth of the word of God to others. The truth of the word of God. And, uh, and so they are the, the stronger, uh, mature, and older uh, men, as it were. The third designation that he gives here, he says, I write unto you young men because ye have overcome the wicked one. And when we think of young men, um, when I look this one up, it says young men were considered to be under age 40. In other words, they, they weren't the older men. They were, they were younger men. If you were under the age of 40, you might have been still in your 30s, right? So you were full of youth, you were full of vigor, you were full of strength, you were working, you were, well, in the Old Testament sense, you were combative when necessary. You were called upon to go to battle. Uh, who do they call to war when, when it's necessary to, to defend a country? You see, they call the young men, the youth. That's who they call. They don't call the old ones. They call the young ones, you see. And, uh, and so this, this young man within the church, within the family of God, what is, his, what is he known for? Well, he says here, because ye have overcome the wicked one. Overcome. You have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Um, and so, in this sense, you get, you, you get the idea that they have struggled upon this issue. The young men. Well, a church needs, uh, needs those who are more mature those who stand in the background and guide the church. But then we need young men in the church too, don't we? Young men who are vigorous and youthful. Young men who are ready to, to fight the battle and to carry on the banner of the cross. They are the young men. And they have overcome the wicked one. You see, that's how they, they have entered into the family of God. And uh, remember, the ideal of the, of the fathers was they know that one who was from the beginning. You see, uh, history bears out they have already come through by faith. But these young men, they are fighting the battle. They're fighting the battle. And the church needs that kind of a person too. The church needs that kind of person. Uh, the third one, he says, uh, next one rather, he says, I write unto you little children. Now the term for little children here is different than it is previously where it says children. Here, um, the word for children is the word paideon. And it simply means a young child. Or you put it in terms that is more compatible with the people and children of God in the church, and you would say, well, the new converts. Those who have newly come to faith. 
those, those younger children within the family of God. You see, and there are younger. We, 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 we hope to have more converts to the faith, do we not? We hope to have those coming to faith in Christ. And remember, they can be of any age. These, when it mentions a father, it doesn't mean somebody who is uh, necessarily 90 years old, but they are older in faith. When it mentions young men, it doesn't mean somebody who was 90 years old either. But they are vigorous and youthful. When it mentions someone who was a little child in the faith, they have recently come to faith. And they're learning. And, well, where would the church be if it wasn't growing, you see? He gave some, some who were apostles and prophets, and some who were pastor-teachers, and some who were evangelists. And, you see, what do the evangelists do? They go out and win new people to Christ. And we need people to do that. These who are young in faith, these who are new converts, these who are novices to the faith in Christ. It says, I write unto you little children, those who are new converts, because ye have known the Father. Now, even a little child can know the Father. Even a child who has just come to faith in Christ. And I'm talking about a new, a new Christian. Well, in fact, that's what the first thing they do know is that they do know they are Christians. You remember when you first came to faith in Christ? <laughs> you knew Jesus as your Savior, but because you knew Jesus, you also knew the Father. And the word for Father here is pater, which means Father. Your Heavenly Father. As a new convert, now they know their Heavenly Father. Their Heavenly Father. And so John encourages these who are young in faith as well. You see, and what are these? They're all children of God. They're all part of the children of God. And he closes here in verse 14 by reinforcing what he has said here. He says, I have, I have written unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. He already said that. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong in the word of God, and the word of God abideth in you. See, they have overcome the wicked one. Uh, those who are young in faith uh, have um, young men. Uh, they, are, they are those who study the word of God constantly. And, and they want to know more and more. And so they study the word of God. <clears throat> And then he says, And the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Now, there's a couple of conclusions we can draw from this last summary. And I'll just uh, give you some thoughts here. The last address to the family repeats two primarily figures, primary figures in the family of God. Fathers and young men. Because they are the backbone of the church in leadership and faith. We need, we need those who are more mature, but then we need those who are vigorously pursuing their faith and studying and strong and in faith, such as young men. You see, we need both there. And so here are the mature spiritual men, the fathers, and the vigorous youthful men of faith, to maintain the witness of the word and to teach the new in faith and encourage and train up the young men of the faith to take on the life and ministry of the church. And so these, these little children, these new converts, need to be trained up. You know, the fathers and the young men, those who, who have been standing in the word, those who are studying the word, they often become teachers to those who are new in faith, which they should do. As it often tells us that those who are more mature women should teach the younger women, and those who are more mature men should teach those who have come to faith in Christ, our new converts. You see, 
this group is strong in the word of God. They know Jesus who was from the beginning. They, they abide or remain in the word of God. And lastly, they have overcome the wicked one. What is it that we should be doing? We are to build up our churches and edify the church, those very people who John is talking about here. You see, they're, they're all mentioned here. Uh, they're all mentioned here in the various designations that he gives. Children who are all a part of the children of God. Fathers who are more mature, the more mature group in the church. Young men, the ones who stand shoulder to shoulder with, with the others, the other men. And are, are in the word of God, they have overcome the evil one. And the new converts, the ones who need to be taken alongside and encouraged and blessed in the church, you see. And all this, that we might know what it is to, to walk in light and love. Because to do anything else is contrary to the scriptures. We need to walk in the light of the word of God and in the love of God. And, uh, and John, oh, he seems to bring all this together in a very marvelous way to encourage us and to bless, um, to bless the church in the fellowship of the church. Light and love. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us. ask that you would bless this ministry. Bless your church. Bless your people. And Lord, we do pray for the Ukrainian Christians. We do pray for the Russian Christians, for the Polish Christians. Lord, there are so many all around the world. They all need our prayer. And they need to be supported in the word of God. I pray you'll keep them in the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. That you'll keep them in the love of God. In Jesus' name. Amen.